Welcome back to Making It So, episode six, uh, a Get Into Geek podcast. I'm your host, Craig, and my co-host, Maddie. How you going? Yo. Wow. We are covering Star Trek Picard, season three, episode six, The Bounty. That was a lot. Play play your spoiler thing. Just play it. Just, 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 just play, play it. it? Play it already. Oh. Damn. We are getting into heavy, heavy spoilers for this episode. That was and that was a lot. Maddie and I did a lot of pausing and rewinding on this yeah. episode yeah. to yeah. get as much information as we possibly, possibly can. That was a biggie. Rightio. Well, shall we read the uh, synopsis? Let's do it. All right, we'll get into it. Now on the run, Picard and the skeleton crew of the USS Titan must break into Starfleet's most top-secret facility to expose a plot that could destroy the Federation. Picard must turn to an old friend for help. Writers Christopher Monfetti, Akiva Goldsman, Michael Chabon, and directed by Dan Liu. Ooh, that name sounds familiar. I think he's directed an episode already. Yeah, I think yeah, he has. He mm. has, definitely. Mate, like Wow. This episode was everything I wanted and more. Like there was just so much going yeah. on and yeah, we finally got the crew all back together. Yep. Yeah, we got them on on the Titan. You know, we we saw a whole bunch of like hero ships. Yeah, from the series, the we'll, nice looking ships. I'm like, let's just spend more time looking at those. Yeah, all our favorite 24th century ships. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of all these stupid neo ships and and bring back all those. Like, I just want to sit in the museum and just play with those ships. Oh, like. Yeah, obviously we got Geordie back in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got Geordie's other daughter. And, you know, at the end there, who else did we get back, Maddie? Well, we, we got back about five people, but all in the body of Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner. And we got Deanna as well. Oh, yes. We got everyone back. Yeah. Now we just got to somehow get Will and Deanna off the strike and back onto the time with everybody else, and they'll actually all be together. Yeah. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get to talking uh, more about Brent Spiner and, mm. and that soon. But I've thought of a new opening for the show. Oh, okay. Let's let's hear it. Well, so instead of like the Star Trek music that you play, the Next Generation music, um, remember that show um, with Chris Rock, Everybody Hates Chris? Yes. I think we need to use that music and just change it to Everybody Hates Chateau Picard. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because everybody, this is like the, I reckon it's got to be the fourth jab at Picard's wine, I think he's just really bad at making wine. I think that's why he's been to be a really stuff. good wine. Not according to this show. <laughs> I think. I think maybe. I Ro- think everybody just likes other booze. <laughs> maybe maybe Robert was really good at making wine, but it sounds like since they've all died and Picard's taken over, it sounds like Jean Luc should be pil- um, piloting and commanding starships because he's shit at making wine. Because uh, this, this, again, we find out in this episode he sends a bottle to Wharf every year or something like that. And what did Wharf call it? The tart mead or whatever it was. Yes. This is a man. This is a man who drinks prune juice and Klingon blood wine. What are you telling me? Blood wine is fruitier and smoothier than Chateau Picard. He's calling Chateau Picard smoothier. Tart? Smoothier. <laughs> it's, it's not fine. a smoothie. It's fine. It's fine. Oh. Um. Yeah. I don't know. It's a fun running joke. I just. I feel really bad. Like. Just everybody's shitting on. Even even Riker was like, "Yeah, yeah, man." It's yeah. Well, everyone seems to be drinking bourbon and stuff like that. So mm. maybe you know, Shadow Picard should start making some sort of bourbon. Maybe that'd be well, cool. I'd buy that. I guess. I guess the only time it was someone who actually enjoyed it was what um, 
uh, drug fucked Raffi in like season one when she's like still on drugs. She's like, you bring yeah. me, you bring me the good shit. You bring me the good shit. The, the, the twenty two. Raffi whatever. was an alcoholic. She'd drink a bottle of metho. True. If it was given to True. her. Yeah, she's she's taking drugs <laughs> in the eyes. So yeah. sh- she'll take any kind of vice. Whereas everyone else is just like, oof. No I'm thanks. sure at one stage, if you'd like looked between Rappy's toes, you would have seen like you know, <laughs> needle marks. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure she got deep into she's, the drugs. Um, she's shelving. What she's doing is she's um oh she's going anally. Yeah, she's she's getting tampons. <laughs> she's dipping that in the Chateau Picard, and then straight up the toot, and then she's absorbing the alcohol that way. Wow, we've gone like deep, like probably not as deep <laughs> not as what Rappy went. <laughs> Anyway, shall we start at like the beginning of the episode and we'll sort of uh, go through? Or? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, well, to begin with, we saw the Titan uh, hiding around a a star, you know, and you know that was pretty cool. That was a nice shot. I liked that. Yeah, visually, really appealing. Yeah, like, yeah, they, they were pretty close. You know, just just hiding like that. That was great. And then, you know, they didn't reference it though. They didn't say, "Oh, we're hiding in the magnetosphere of a." You know, whereas like old Trek would have done that. They would have just like put in a, yeah, I guess just, there was so much in this episode. Like, I guess because it's like, yeah, we're, we're not doing like, they're not really doing um, captain's logs. Like we had that little one from Riker maybe two episodes ago, whatever it was, but it's like, if it was a tradi- traditional episode. Someone would be doing a log saying, Hey, we're, you know, we're hiding in the, you yeah, know, exactly. Kind of so, but the, we're, we're just, you know, but the, the big ground running, the big thing at the start of this episode. So if you think to the end credits of the show, you see all these different visuals and that one of the things that we do see at the end there mm. is a picture of a brain with some red stuff through it. Right. We're talking, well, Beverly's talking to Jean-Luc and saying that, you know, she discovered that Jack has a terminal diagnosis of, was it Eremotic syndrome? Yeah. And, yeah, as we know, that's, you know, the brain condition that Jean-Luc's got. Yeah, first mentioned in what, uh, All Good Things, and then brought back again in season one of Picard. Yep. So, I I hope there's more to Jack than that, Um, just in terms of, like, all the the visions we've been seeing. A lot of that would make sense, but then the weird Jason Bourne stuff he was doing, I feel like there's got to be something more. And then, obviously, the reason that, Vatic and the changelings are so interested in Jack slash Picard. There's got to be more to it than that. And oh, I guess, there has to be. I guess you know when when um uh when it was Picard was diagnosed with it in All Good Things when he was telling them he was traveling through time they were like oh it's just his aromatic syndrome so maybe they'll bring that back and and it'll be something to do with Jack will be trying to tell them something and they'll be like oh his aromatic syndrome's flared up or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Um, Who knows? But yeah, I, I can't see a, a syndrome in his brain giving him Jason Bourne abilities. Like, no, but that's got to be something else. I really hope that they can uh, cure it by the end somehow, as well. Yeah, maybe something in the same way um, Thaddeus could have been cured with some with the positronic thing. Well, we maybe now something synth can can cure Jack or something or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously. You know, like like they said in Next Generation way back when, he might he can live with his whole life. Like you know, yeah, it he may, can, it yeah. may not flare up till he's you know. It might have just been that near death experience he had breathing in those toxic vapors that gave him a turn of it, and he, yeah, it may not affect him till he's old. But it's obviously it's a metaphor for you know having a terminal diagnosis, having that thing hanging over your head for the rest of your life is not going to be a great feeling. Fuck it. Um, at, at the end of the day, yeah, all our lives are terminal, aren't they, really? So yeah, yeah, that's it. You just got to live with what we've got. So, yeah, presumably by the end of the series, if we resolve everything with this, you know, offshoot changeling group, 
maybe it'll be something there, something the changelings can do, can cure, can cure Jack of his of his condition or something like that. Less golem bodies, please. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think we're gonna get that. I still don't even. I still don't even one hundred percent understand it. So I think that's also why I'm we'll just get like, into that. We'll get I'm into just that. like less of that. Less of we'll that get into good. that. But it is kind of nice that they're not. Well, not, I wouldn't say nice. It's interesting that. Season three isn't just completely forgetting about season one and two. Oh, of course not. You no. know, they are going like, yeah, we know we have to deal with the fact that he's a fucking golem. I think they're doing um, it quite well, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, because it was very um, polarizing for, for a lot of people. Um, the whole sort of Picard, like not being Picard and all that kind of stuff. And like, it, it makes more sense what they're doing this season. I feel like with this reveal, this episode with... Data, like it should have always. It's, it's, I feel like that's Terry course correcting, going. Well, this is what it should have been. It never should have been Picard going to the, into that body. It should have been. It should have been Data because there is even that line at the end where Geordie basically says, or, or maybe Beverly says, it's like um, he's not quite, but almost human. And it's like, well, that's been Data's thing since it's the what very Data's first always time we wanted. Met him. He's, yeah, he's Pinocchio. He's wanted to be a real boy. So I'm this a real is, boy. Yeah. So this is kind of. As close as you can get in in Star Trek from the, with these with these golem synth bodies, so um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we, we're going to get into yeah that later on as we talk through the episode. I I do hate though that I feel like like we had to go back to the tenfold holodeck. Like it's just yeah. It it takes me back to uh, <laughs> remember Smallville. I never really watched Smallville. Okay, so. well, Smallville was great for the first maybe four seasons, and then it really started to tip off. And, like, because what they would do, and the CW, like, Arrowverse was guilty of it too. It's just like, well, we only have four sets, four standing sets. We've got to use them. We've got to use them. So it's like, I think it was in season seven of Smallville, like, the guy playing Lex Luthor left the show. So they'd no longer had Lex Luthor in Smallville. So they just had, like, someone else move into his house so they could still use those sets. Yeah, right. And I feel like that's what this is. It's just like, well, we've got this 10 forwards. And it's a beautiful set. Oh, Don't it's get great. me wrong, yeah. it's beautiful. But it's just like, is is there not a, a mess hall on the ship? Is there not a 10 forward? Like, like, I know 10 forward on the on the D was kind of like a mess hall and a bar in one. Whereas like Voyager only had the mess hall that you didn't really go there for booze. But I'm just like, is there nowhere else this guy can hang out except just for went the holiday? <laughs> on Voyager, they just went there for Neelix. And, you know, yeah. His, yeah, quips. So I'm just like, is there nowhere else people gather on this ship than the holodeck? I'm just like, I'm kind of over it. Like if it was the real 10 forward in LA, great. But oh, yeah, well, it, well just, it just stinks of that. It takes me out of the show just because I'm just like, oh, they've got this set, they've got to use it. Well, it's like in the first season of Picard, like they used the holodeck a lot to go back to Picard's chateau and to yeah. like his office and stuff in the house. Yeah, which was weird as well. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's almost like they're just trying to you know, make Picard feel more comfortable or something because he's been away. I don't yeah, know what it is. Uh, it's probably a production thing as well, but it's like... It, it makes the show out to be like it's this broke show that's running on a shoestring budget when it's doing some amazing things. But it's like, you know, the the Titan A bridge is just a redress of the Stargazer bridge, you know, which was a redress of, I think, a ship in season one or something. Like, they just... And I'm just like, oh, just give me something different. Like, I get that it's not... It's not like the old days where they were setting up a show for seven seasons so they could, you know, they could build all this... You know, it's not like DS9's Promenade or anything like that. But yeah, I just I'm getting a little 
a little bored like of the of the backgrounds it's like every episode it's like we'll we'll talk on the bridge or in the briefing room and then two people go and have an aside in the holodeck like mm-hmm. every episode and i'm just like oh, let's just have a walk and talk have it like we probably don't have the corridors to do it but it's like remember the old amazing walk and talks just through the corridors oh of, especially of, on like the enterprise d and the things enterprise like voyager that. were great for us ds9 they did less because they didn't really have a lot of corridors especially with the defiant but they had a few little corridors around um the habitat ring and stuff like that but i just miss those old school walk and talks yeah you know well. i mean we did get obviously in this episode uh you mentioned it, it was great it was like it was an away team mission we got an, yeah like, you know the yeah so we've, we've got that traditional like the guys and girls still on the ship and then we've got the away team mission yeah. as well. It's like, yes, this is old school Trek again. Yeah, and you know, Riker leading it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, no. It, like that that was brilliant. Very old school. But then um, oh, we had seven cool Picard, you know, and she's like, they're here. And then they go to the transporter room and Worf and Raffi beam in. And we get that, like, you know, what did Worf say? He was like... Um, he hasn't seen Jean-Luc in 11 years, four months, and five days. Yeah, wow. Like, he, is he counting this? Or like, has he got it in, like, his, you know, in his pad or something? Yeah. Like, counting? Well, I read, um, after we finished the episode, I read a thing, and it was something along the lines of, apparently it's it's canon. It's something they're like the showrunners, but they're not going to talk about it. It was something they just sort of had in their back pocket. Is for them in the canon, Worf actually at some point took over command of the Enterprise E after Picard. So and then, and then was only there for four or five years, something like that. So it's presumably either at the handover or maybe at the end of his run on the Enterprise E, that was the last time Picard and Wolf's kind of Maybe that's where the Enterprise E got destroyed. Because I know, uh, so with, so Picard, when he got promoted to Admiral, mm-hmm. he went to the USS Verity, which oh. was an Odyssey class for the... Um, the evacuation of the Romulan homeworld. Right. So that that's what happened there. So he, when he prom- got promoted, he went to basically the new flagship. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously someone would have taken over the Enterprise E, which you know. Yeah. yeah apparently, could've, could've apparently, it was, apparently it was Worf, according to like the showrunners and stuff. That's so. pretty cool. Like I, I've wanted to see like a Captain Worf show. Oh, Michael Dorn's wanted a Captain Worf show yeah. for the last like fifteen years. So, so. yeah. Obviously, we're probably not going to get that now. No. But hey. You know, cool piece of trivia. Michael Dorn has appeared in more episodes of Star Trek than anyone ever. Oh yeah, I mean, straight away back back from his DS Nine days, oh. he, was, he was breaking records there. Yeah, and he's just continuing to break these records. And yeah, we think that he did he did uninterrupted basically. He did eleven seasons of Star Trek from from yeah. from the start of Next Generation through to his his four seasons. That on, man um, was just like, I'm getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> um, the that was a fun scene. It, there, you had a good question though. Like when they beamed onto the Titan, where did the Lusarina go? Yeah. Like, is it just in a stable orbit around that sun now? I would have liked to have seen. Like, we obviously got those shots of the Lusarina, um, uh, what would you call it? just like sitting on a rooftop or whatever when they're on Metallus Prime. And obviously, yeah, Seven says they're here, and then they beam on board. And then we see, after that scene, we see the, the Titan warp away, um, away from but the But we star. didn't see the La Serena left there. Yeah, not at least in the shot. It could have been a little bit further, but it's like... It, it would have been be, nice to see it left yeah, there. Yeah, like it might have fit in the shuttle bay, but then why would they have beamed on board when you can... There's a there's a, like a loading ramp on the yeah, La Serena that we've out. seen that you can walk at. So I was a bit bummed with that. But And then there's just this weird, I guess... And we've spoken about it before with the, you know, the, the show creators and showrunners obviously 
and it's really confirmed in this episode, massive fans of like the Kirk era stuff. That's why we've got the Neo Constitutions and blah blah yeah. blah. And yeah, the the transport sounds this when when Worf and Rafi yeah they were a bit old were school, weren't they? Very very old school. So, um, not my personal favorite, but fun for anyone who who like yeah, it's likes just, hearing that. I think sound. it's a little bit of fan service. Yeah, I mean, in this episode, there was literally something for everybody. Oh, so wasn't there? Um, the only thing that bugged that scene is Rafi's wearing those vertical pips, like Ro was wearing on last that week. jacket. Yeah, I hate those vertical pips, man. I, look, I, I'm not a massive fan of the vertical pips. But I do like the jacket. Like it's like a bit of a leather jacket. I liked yeah, Raffi, she's got like the leather holster on for the phaser and everything. She looked like she belonged on the Millennium Falcon. Like very much, yeah, Han like, Solo. I, I enjoyed the it. The jacket's just, open and everything. Yeah, it, which is what made it feel a little out of whack for me. Like in universe, it still makes sense. Like I referenced it while we were speaking. Like there was um uh for a little while Picard had that weird uh, jacket he would wear on the bridge that was like the leather shoulders with the velvet. Yeah. You know, and it was open and it had like a little undershirt. It made no sense because no one else wore it. You know, he just was sick of pulling his his, his uniform down. So Patrick Stewart asked for it. So it does kind of give me throwbacks to that kind of look. But I didn't like that look. So I don't necessarily like this look on track. If she was on board the Millennium Falcon, I'd be like, fuck yeah. Like she looks like she should be walking around Disneyland in like um, Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> That's what she looks like to me. So I was like, uh, I like it, pips aside, but I don't know if I like it in Star Trek. And then freaking Riker walks in and he's wearing the same thing. You know, and it's I'm almost like, like it's an away team um, <sighs> uniform. Yeah. I, I, I kind of dig it. And I know, like, you know, Maddie didn't particularly like it, but I, I think it's cool. Not my favorite. doesn't ruin it for me. It's just like, ugh, I just, like, especially when it's like, um, later on when Geordie and Alandra beam in and it's like, well, Alandra's wearing a normal uniform. Why can't everyone else just wear a normal uniform for Christ's sake? Oh, Geordie's jacket was cool. It it was weird. It almost looked like he had like a black bow tie around, like the way it was, the way it was done. Like if the show was a little bit brighter lit, I think I would have enjoyed it more, but it did kind of, because he had the yellow shoulders, then there's like this black band that is, you know, his pips, sort of wrestler. But then there was still like a thick yellow band at the top of it around his neck. Yeah. And I was just like, it just looked like he had like a little like a bolo tie, like a thick bolo tie around or something like that. But um but other than that, yeah, it was it was pretty fun. Yeah, anyway, so yeah, they get talking about uh you know, burgling Daystrom station. And then Will's little quip, excellent use of the word burgle. Such an odd line. Yeah, it was, but it was it was it was kind of cool though. I is liked that it. an American thing? Like do Americans not say burgle? Is that um, is, like? Is it more like a like? I feel like Australia is a bit more British no. colony sort of style. So is it something for like that Australians and British people would be like? Yeah, no, that we'll, we'll use that word. But is that what did Jack say when they they went and uh, you know stole the uh, the cloak? Wasn't it was like some light larceny or something? Larceny, like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So larceny is more British, and burgle I'd say is more American. So then, I, then I just, why would Will bring it up? It's just not a common sort of a word. I guess back in like in the future there, maybe they don't talk about that stuff too much. But you know. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know. But I it, was it, was fun, cool. it was a fun moment. I was just like, of all the words to you know, pique his interest was burgle. It really Excellent yeah. use of the word burgle. I'm like, okay. I thought it must have been a, a, a reference to something. I don't know. If, if there's anyone out there that sort of understands that reference, you know, let us know. You know mm. Message us on the socials. Jump into our DMs. Speaking of burgles, though, like, it sounds like nobody actually investigated the Daystrom robbery. Like when Vatic or whoever it was like stole the portal weapons and stuff like that, 
It seems like nobody investigated that. If you, I, feel well, like, I feel like Raffi and Worf are the first people to actually go there and investigate it. Well, we've got the um, like the changelings are basically in charge of Starfleet now, by the seams of it. So maybe mm. you know they they allowed it because the station looked empty of yeah. personnel. So they only had the AI there. Yeah. But so if there was, if there was, I'd say the changelings had already infiltrated it. But it's so yeah, like it's so weird that like, yeah, it's like a, a WMD was taken in the in the form of the portal weapon to hide, spoil uh, like stealing Picard's remains. Nobody investigated it. Like the the, the changelings are that much in control. I I actually feel like they that's, are that much in in control because we've got basically everyone's chasing them now. Mm. Like, but at that point, how did? How did the the robbery even get out there then? Like if if the changelings are so so much in charge that they can block anyone investigating the robbery, how did word of the robbery even get out there? Uh, there's always leaks, yeah, in everything that you know we see. You know, yeah, so. I don't know. I just yeah, I just I want. It's not, I'm sure it'll all make sense by the end of episode ten, but I'm just like, hmm. I don't know, I'm happy for mm. that to be a dangling thread right now, though. You know, and yeah, at the end of the day, if they don't answer that, it's still fine with me as well. But I know you like to have everything answered. Yeah, I, I like my standalone episodes. I like my standalone episodes of Voyager and, and DS9 and that kind of stuff. Like, I don't, I don't mind carryovers, but not when they're a plot point, like, you know, to the, to the wrap-up of the individual mm. episode. Like, DS9 never left, left me going... Well, that doesn't make sense until I watch the next episode. It's like I've got a satisfying forty minutes of television, and then it's like, "Ooh, I wonder what's going to happen next." Whereas that doesn't like the idea that no one investigated the the Daystrom station robbery doesn't make me go, "Ooh, I wonder what's going to happen next." It's a huh. When they did beam onto the Daystrom station, though, we got mm. some sweet Easter eggs in there. Wow, like the most like Easter eggs, member berries, so obviously fan right, servicey stuff ever. First of all, when they beamed on, they had to use the um, like the code thing that Worf and Raffi had got to get yeah. through the security system. Yeah. Right. Then when we started walking through the station, we started to see all these little you know Easter eggs and stuff. The first yeah, one that wow. we really saw was the Thateron device. Um, yeah, from, from Nemesis. Nemesis. Yeah, we saw like a little, um, a little like um, spiky anus. Yeah, sort of the thing. thing that killed everyone in the Romulan Senate. Mm, yeah, yeah. Then we saw a thing that said the Genesis device. Genesis device or Genesis two device or Genesis device two. So I don't know whether it's like a Mark two version of it or uh, something, but it's just Genesis. We all know Genesis device, so that's fun. This next one was quite exciting. James mm. T. Kirk's body. That is wild. That is so wild. So yeah, someone in Starfleet has gone and recovered, you know, James T. Kirk's body from Viridian Three. Yeah, yeah, where JL buried him under the rocks. And there. we kind of paused and spoke about it because it's like, like you would think he would get buried with honors, or, or either left where he was. I think they've just or tried buried to keep with it honors secret. and stuff like that. Yeah. But then it's like, then I kind of thought about it and went, well, he is a man out of time, so it would make sense that they'd want to. Study him, and, and he he'd been in the Nexus. He'd been in the Nexus for however long. So yeah, that's that's kind of remains worthy of study. So but I would get that. I, it, it makes sense. If you've read any of the Star Trek books, there is a couple of like a whole series 
dedicated to like James T. Kirk being brought back alive as well. Hate it. Hate yeah. it. Oh, it's actually quite good. I've, I've read most of them. No. So anyway, we'll move on. There was a triple. An attack triple. Yeah, they, that, like, that it, it was totally different it was really, nasty. wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, I think I saw something on the bottom of that says something about genetics. I wonder if they've been like playing with triples. Because obviously triples are these beautiful, light, fluffy, you know, non-threatening. And There was that they... short trek, wasn't there, where they where we figured out how they initially modified the, the tribbles. I don't, to fuck, I don't fuck with short treks, mate. Oh, we, we did speak about it when it, when, like, it was like only like 10 weeks ago that we spoke about it. Really? Yeah. I don't remember short treks. Yeah, there, there was I remember a, there was one with that weird chick with ice cream. I'll show Maddie later. That short trek, we'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, it would make sense they'd be... Because exp- tribbles would be like the perfect little assassination things because it's just like, oh, they're so cute. And the next minute they open up like... The freaking face hugger from Alien. Oh, yeah. And, and, just and then uh, there was the... You saw this one. I missed it. The Borg Vinculum. Yeah, it was... Um, Ryder's Wharf was looking at something. It was over kind of his back shoulder. And for a second, I thought it was the think tank from yes. Voyager. It yeah. looked like the ship that um, uh, George Costanza was on. Um, but then it kind of was pointed... And then it went, oh, that looks more like a Vinculum. And that would make sense. Like, they're not going to have the think tank ship... No. In, the, in, in there, whereas they could potentially have a vinculum, especially because, you know, we had the um, the artifact in season one and all that kind of stuff. So we've had access to Borg technology more. So it would make sense that they would hold on to a vinculum. But yeah, like the station was like shaking and stuff as well, like mm. as this is happening. And there, there was, yeah, like there was um, like notes playing as well in the background. All right. Um, next, we saw a holographic crow. Mm. Yeah, I, I haven't figured out that one. Like, what was that one about? Do you think? Like, uh, Riker mentioned it later on. What was um, it? He said um, uh, when he realized that Data was there, he said, "Oh, my friend who dreams about crows." And there was an episode uh, yes. of Next Generation where Data, or isn't Data like a um, uh, what do you call? It? Not like a stonemason, but uh, like a uh, a smith, a metalsmith, yeah, a blacksmith, blacksmith. Yeah, well, I gotta be black. Um, <laughs> There's that episode where he's like, he's a blacksmith and then there's like a crow or something like that. Yeah. You know Next Generation better than I do. But then the next thing we see was we actually get to see the AI that's protecting the station and it's some sort of version of Professor Moriarty yeah. as an AI. Mm. That was cool. I called it last week. Yes, Remember of I course. Said, I was like, I think that's the first one of mine that I've actually yeah. gotten. Yeah, well, um, your theories are panning out better than mine so far. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that was fun. I mean, it was it was a brief. It's all we kind of needed. We didn't need a whole episode yeah, devoted he, uh, to Moriarty. Yeah, he shot at them a few times. Obviously, yeah. safety protocols were turned off. They shot at him and face beams went straight through. And, and then it kind of sounded like in the end, it wasn't even the Moriarty. It was kind of just data creating a Moriarty. Potentially, yeah. kind of thing. So, but yeah, but like, it was enough. It was... The, all those tunes... Or the notes. Yeah, Riker was calling out all those notes. Mm, the and jazz man. Of course, the jazz man's going to just be able to be pitch perfect and pick all those notes. But uh, once again, it was a throwback to the first episode of The Next Generation yeah. because it was all the notes for Pop Goes the Weasel, and which they, we see in the end credits. And they even showed like scenes from Encounter and Farpoint. Yeah. I never would have expected that. Oh, I did not expect that. And they sort of uh, updated the... Um, like They upscaled the footage and everything yeah, as well I'm, to I'm make it look really cool. Because Next Generation is the only, like, 90s, 2000s Trek that actually got a Blu-ray release where they actually went back and did all that. I know Ira Bear was for a long time trying to get DS9 done, and in the um, the documentary that he did, um, What We Left Behind, 
he did actually get a couple of the scenes from like um, the Dominion War and stuff like that and had them up to like 4K resolution and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, DS9 and Voyager never got like a full um, upscale and, and re-release like Next Generation did. So yeah, if you're going to do anything, it's going to be from um, from that. So yeah, that was a nice little touch and yeah, very unexpected to yeah. actually see the footage. But then Will, um, yeah, he whistled the last little bit, which Data couldn't get right yeah. to begin with in the Next Generation. And it was enough to turn off the AI protection system yeah. of Moriarty which gave them access to the station, which I thought was a really cool, nice little touch. And, you know, only, you know, those of us that are really deep into the show, you know, old school fans yeah. you know, would really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. I think they probably threw in that original footage from Encounter at Farpoint there for the people that are newer to the show. Correct. In the same way that when they beamed onto the station, Worf kind of explained basically to the audience what Section 31 is, mm-hmm. but he explained it to Riker, only for Riker to go, yeah, I know. I know who <laughs> Section 31 are. I, I love their little, like, quips and stuff at each other. Like, Oh, they were great. Back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. It was funny, though, because it was... Worf seemed very... Like, he was a little more bitey back than he normally used to. And it kind of threw Riker off. He's like, whoa, we used to do this all the time. Why yeah. are you? But then at the end, Riker's like, I swear by Grapthar's hammer, you shall have my... I will go and get Riker and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was, I'm interested to see what how that sort of turns out for Worf in terms of his story arc. This next part, though, is where you and I nerded the fuck out. Mm. Right? They... So, we went to... Was it Ethan Prime, the Fleet Museum? Oh, so we see like an old school, uh, like Earth space dock type of thing. Yeah. But around it, it's got all these other little rings with, mm. you know, all the hero ships, all the hero style ships from. Yeah, what did Picard say? They're the greatest ships in history. This is where they yeah. come to as their final resting place. And, you know, that's Geordie's, you know, station. Yeah, he's in you charge know, of He's in that. charge of the Fleet Museum. So, of, we, Maddie and I watched this part and then we rewound it at like maybe three times I'd say. Yeah. And we, we stopped and we walked like, I've got like an 85 inch television. Right. I was, <laughs> I was three inches from your screen at that point. I was like, what Maddie, is that? Maddie is half what is blind. That? What is that? What is that? What is this? What is this? So Just... we, we come up with a list and we went down and we figured out. So there was a defiant class, which we think was the actual defiant. Well, yeah. If seven does say it later on, yeah. that it's the defiant. There was, the Bird of Prey, the bount- the HMS Bounty, yes. which was cool. Very nice. Right. Although, which- look, I said it to you at the time, and I've got to make a point of it here. The audacity of this show to title an episode and reference a ship from the voyage home where they have the conversation in that, in that movie <laughs> between Spock and Kirk about swearing sitting on a bus talking about how swearing isn't isn't a thing anymore in this show. I mean, this episode was great. I think I heard shit twice and that was it. Yeah, I think the last couple so of episodes they've dialed back a bit on the swearing too. Yeah, I don't yeah, Last I don't, week especially. Oh yeah, I don't think with Roe there was any fucks or anything like that, was there? So there was something, but yeah, it was just I think I think Jack threw out a shit and Will threw out a shit. Yeah, they, they definitely it. dialed back. And it was, it's still a little more than I would like, but it didn't completely pull me out of it. Jack, Jack swearing would be fine to me. Will, I was like, mm. but it was it was very off the cuff, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. So, but, but just the, the show as a whole, the audacity for them to be dropping f bombs <laughs> in almost every episode, and then for the bounty to be 
such a huge plot point that they name an episode well, after Well, yeah, it. like, to begin with, I thought that the name of the episode, The Bounty, was because, you know, there was a bounty on Jack. Well, I think we said it at the end, yeah. of, end of last week's episode. It's like, well, the bounty must refer to Jack. It, yeah, it And I guess to. in a way it still does, but it's kind of, it's great in that... Maybe it, it's got, like, a double a meaning. A double meaning. I guess in the same way um, 17 Seconds had that double meaning because it was like Will told his story of 17 Seconds and then... Uh, Picard had his 17 seconds later on. So it's, you know, um, yeah, so it's it's nice the way that they can do do little bits and pieces oh, like that. The next ship that we saw was a D7 class Klingon Battlecruiser. Yeah, so Cruiser. I reckon that's probably from like the Enterprise incident in the original series. I I read something while you were um, taking a quiz and they, call, I, f- I forgot the name of it, but someone was calling it the ship from the Undiscovered Country. The oh, it could be. And I'm like, that's a stretch. Until they say that, that's a stretch. Yeah. Until that point, it's just a D- D7. Well, there's, there's two, isn't there? There's like a D7 and a D12. No, D12 is the M&M band. <laughs> 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 Moving on, there was a Sabre class in there, like yes. down lower. And an Akira. I really want to, if, if this is where like the most iconic ships in the fleet go to die... I want to see a series about a Sabre class and an Akira class and what they earned. Matty's just skipping ahead because he's like excited about an Akira class. Well, no, just <laughs> in, I guess, I guess in my brain, I've always grouped Steamrunners, Sabres and Akiras together because of first contact. Because that's the only time we've really seen them um, or the first time we saw them. In my head, they, they're, they're like... They all came out at the same time. The Akira, the Steamrunner, and the Sabre. Yeah, well, then we, we, we'd play them as teenagers in what, the Star Trek Armada and stuff yeah, like that as and, well. Um, uh, Starfleet Command 3. Yeah. Oh, I love that game. Old school games. Yeah. Um, then uh, this one was cool. Like, so if there was a fifth season of Enterprise, mm. it, they, they were going to do a refit of the NX-01. It was going to have more of an engineering section underneath, like like the ships that we're used to oh, seeing. Yeah, more traditional yeah. sort of Yeah, look. so yeah. the NX-01 refit, was there yeah, wow. at the museum, which was really cool. That was a good eye because I spotted the NX. I, just me, it just looked like the NX because it was tiny compared to everything else. And I'm like, yeah, disc and But then, yeah, the you cells. could. I could see the front yeah, of Yeah, you picked up that it was that it was the refit. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, the only time that we... So, we never actually got to see the refit on screen until today. Mm. Um, it was only in concept art for season five, which never went ahead. Did I think Eagle Moss did a ship of it too. Yes, they did. Going to, oh, they did. Eagle yeah. Moss did do that as well. Yeah. Uh, we saw a Miranda class. Yep. All right, a Nebula class. Yeah, and they, they made me wait. They made me wait right to the end, the very, very, very last ship that we see as they pan around and it's hidden behind the main part of Space Dock. We saw Voyager. Voyager. Oh, my beloved Voyager. Uh, we saw, uh, after that, we saw an Excelsior class. Yes. And I'm hoping that that was the actual Excelsior. If not, it maybe was the Enterprise B because we don't yeah. know what happened to that. True. And it's, I guess... Of the two, I mean, the B has, of what we've seen of it, a less epic history so far. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously the the B has a slightly different, like, underside hull. Like, it has a chunkier hull and, and some other bits and pieces, but it's like we didn't get a close enough, close enough shot of it to be able to see those distinct markings to see, see whether it was the B or whether it was just a, a standard Excelsior. Then we saw a constellation class, which yeah you know, was like the stargazer. That's the stargazer, yeah. Yep. Now so we, the original stargazer, because the new stargazer is a Sagan class. Yeah. And do we think what happened to Picard's stargazer? 
Like, because remember in early... I'm not sure, actually. Early Next Generation, remember it came back, the Ferengi had found it and salvaged yes. it. But did it get destroyed at the end of the episode? I can't or? remember, actually. Well, it's oh, been a long time since I've seen that one. Wanna, you'd know more than I would with Next Gen stuff. Yeah, but... but yeah. So it's interesting to see whether that could be the actual Stargazer or whether it could be just another Constellation-class ship. Then we saw an original Constitution-class... Yes, yeah, like original, original. Yeah, like, like the old school, original series style yeah, constitution. Yeah, spinny, spinny red yeah, facade collectors. Yep, that was cool. Like, mm. that was excellent. I really loved I that. Can, I, can never, I can never see one of those and not think of... I followed it for a long, long time in the early 2000s. There was like a comic book um, artist and he had this whole series called Sev Trek and it was kind of just like mm. a fun... Like poking, I remember that. Poking fun at Star Trek and you could actually print it out and make it and it was it was that style um, enterprise, but it's like the dish was a pizza. Yes. Uh, the the star drive section was like a beer can, and then it had toothpicks and a couple of cigarettes <laughs> uh, as the nacelles. And it's just like every time I see that, it just makes me think of of cigarettes when I see those little those little red um, beside collectors. Then we saw a Romulan bird of prey. Yes. Very old school. Trying to figure out where that's from and why that would be. In a that would be something from the original series, and I've only watched the original series a couple of times. Well, yeah, because obviously, that's, yeah, that's that iconic episode um, where the guy who played Sarek, we first saw him as a Romulan, yep. and it was the first time humans had seen Romulans in hundreds of years or whatever. But it just if it, that would be the the first ship I would think of, but it's also like, well, why would that be in a Federation museum? Yeah, they must so, have stolen it or something at some stage. But then. Yeah. We saw a Constitution class refit, the NCC one seven zero one A. Yeah, that was cool. Like, yeah, and that was that was this that was the last nail in the coffin for me of of Terry Metalis is Jack Crusher Junior. Like the way Jack just kind of just like spent a solid minute just like basically jerking off over that ship and how much oh. he loved it. And oh, like, we're gonna get to that chat. And I'm like, that's that's Terry all the way. That's and that obviously reinforces what I've been thinking this whole way along, and the reason we're seeing these. Neo constitutions and all that kind of, and the the horrible intrepid ship last week, is because that's that's their favorite style of ship. So yeah. it makes sense now. But it's like, hey, I got I got to see like a high res, brand new um, shot of Voyager. Yeah, looking up underneath the the dish. I, I do wish it was from the top, but that was a it was a very iconic kind of shot. Uh, it kind of reminded me. It's like if it was framed slightly differently, it could have been the shot of it docked at Deep Space Nine. Like that's that's what it looked like to me. And we got seven reminiscing about it. Oh, so we're, we're going to get to that. We're going to get enough. to that. That was enough for me. All right. So then, then obviously that we've rocked up there, um, Geordie and his other daughter. Uh, what was her name again, Maddie? Tell him, Alandra. That was the most ghetto thing <laughs> in that whole episode where he's just like, he's like, you know what? I'm so boss. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just going to stop talking to Jean-Luc, turn around to my sister and go, Tell him, Alandra. She's like she's a kid, and even she knows this shit better than you do. Tell him, Alandra. But Geordie, when he beamed in, he did not seem happy. Yeah, he was all business. Oh command, yeah, command suits him. Yeah, he is. He is a no nonsense kind of guy. I, I was there for it. Yeah, and then it was just like it was a cold reception. But then, yeah, he he was he said something about yeah he wasn't sure if he was gonna. Yeah, you know, you like really angry at them, but then he decided that he was going to hug Beverly. Yeah, and then yeah, you know, it was it was good. Yeah, not all those people moments again that we lo- yeah. I, I love so much, and it's so great because it's like we've really only seen Geordie without his visor in what? Uh, so after the generations, last, the last, yeah, it was the what 
then first, we, first contact, then we went to first contact, and insurrection, nemesis. nemesis. Yep. It's like nemesis. He nemesis. He had he was barely in it. Um, insurrection. He kind of he again. He was barely in it. He just had that cool moment where we got to see his real eyes, like his brown eyes, that when he was enjoying the sunset when he regenerated. Um, he probably had a he had probably the most to do in first contact when he's like with Reg on the planet and yeah. And then going on the Phoenix and stuff like that. So it's uh, just Reg. How cool is Reg? <laughs> it's um it's just good to see um Lavar just being able to just like yeah, he had contacts in still, but it was just being able to see him emote more and and it was really, really refreshing and really sold like how stern he was. Like imagine how much harder that all would have been with that headband across his eyes. Oh yeah. So and I feel like the the contacts even make him kind of open his eyes a little wider and it just gives him a little more intense kind of look. But his eyes are so pretty with this. Oh, they're cool so color. blue and yeah, yeah, yeah like they're amazing. They've, they've obviously got an upgrade since since the last time we saw him, which makes sense. But they're just so like he's. I yellow. think it probably stands out more as well because of his skin color as well. And yeah, it just it really it pops. It, but yeah, it's kind of almost like more of like a, a tealy blue green as opposed to that really kind of artificial blue that they were in the other mm. ones. I just got lost in them. I was just like, oh, yell at me harder, Daddy, please. Oh, like, it was... I was I had to take a moment. I was I like, damn. Maddie needs some alone time, I think. <laughs> 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 but th- the next thing was probably one of the best people um, moments that we've seen in the show, and Maddie almost teared up during this. Where that, could, that could only be the Voyager 7 moment. Yeah, so Jack you know, came to the bridge. Where Seven's sitting in her chair, and then Jack comes to sit down in the captain's chair and she's like whoa, whoa, whoa and he's like move yeah but then move. he he does sit down in it um and then you know she's clicking through the ships and they're zooming in to so yeah and he's talking about them because he seems like a starship nerd mm. loves them you know he, and he says like he loves the constitution class and all that sort of stuff and then she clicks to voyager and oh. you can see that like emotion in the jerry ryan's swell, face there was just this Wonderful kind of mix between the score and then just this this Voyager refrain and uh, coming through, and then she says, "I was born there." She reborn w- there. A reborn there. Yes, she was my home. The, the crew were my family. Yeah, like that was such a beautiful moment. And uh, that nice. I love the line too. The um, she went further than any of these other relics. And it's it's true. Like yeah, she was of, out there in the Delta Quadrant. In terms of boldly going, Voyager has gone further than any other ship. Absolutely, and made it back and looks beautiful. And well, yeah, unless that, you count that uh, scene in uh, the Next Generation where the Enterprise D gets fucking flung way off into the far reaches. Oh, I thought. I suppose it happened many times because they just like to reuse that thing. I remember, <laughs> I remember getting flung to like the core of the Milky Way, but did, did they leave the Milky Way at oh, some point? Th- th- there was one point where they went to this place where there was like, it was all these kaleidoscopy colours and it was weird. Ah, I just remember Next Generation really loved reusing that. A, for the first couple where of seasons. Where the ship's seasons. spinning sideways. Yeah, the yeah. ship's spinning sideways. And then also for the first maybe two seasons. I think they stopped doing it after Best of Both Worlds. Like every other episode, they were saucer separating. They just loved reusing that <laughs> that sort of shot back and forward. Oh, I think they only used it two or three times in the whole series. It felt like a lot. No, nah, it wasn't seasons. that many. It felt like a lot. Um, but yeah, just the kind of the the wistfully way. Like the, the shot was great. The shot on Jerry Ryan's face. You know, just seeing her in kind of a, a three-quarter profile, just kind of her just looking at Voyager, just wistfully talking about it. And, 
Yeah, it kind of just oh, I got choked up a little bit. It was it was really beautiful. Moment. Yeah, I I turned to Maddie and I even gave him a bit of a pat on the shoulder. I'm like, <laughs> you're right, mate. <laughs> it was yeah. That was, and to me, now I'm just like, well, now we we do need that the the Voyager version of Picard. Like we need let's get Harry back. Let's get Tom and Balana back. Let's get Jane. Wait, you get. No, I wonder what Ensign Kim's doing these days. He's captaining a ship. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's Captain Harry Kim of the Rhode ah. Island. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and he's wearing a proper uniform with horizontal pips, not vertical oh, pips. He'd be in a lower um, decks uniform. <laughs> I yeah, I would really. I hope, like, if if anything, like, I think that would be my my ultimate dream. Is I know everyone's saying let's do a. a Would that be like a sweet stabbing for Harry Kim though to be a captain of a California class ship? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least he'd be. Ha- he's honestly, he's happy to be captain of anything at this point. So he'd, he'd be happy to be captain of a garbage. Maybe scout. he's just flying around he's the Delta flying. Flyer. Yeah, he's like, I'm captain of this ship. Um, but yeah, so a lot of people, you know, everyone's saying they they want to see a Titan show after this and all that kind of stuff. It's like my my wet dream now is let's let's get the the band back together from Voyager. Let's get the band back together from Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I don't want to see a Titan show, but I do want to see Shaw. He was weird. Like he is really He fangirled about Geordie, didn't he? He this man, like, he's entertaining in each episode, but from episode to episode, he's almost bipolar the way he's all over the place. Yeah. Like two episodes ago, he's just like the most depressed down man telling his life story of Wolf 359. Last week he's just like humming in the turbo lift. He's like, do 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 do. This episode, he's like He's in it. He's he was sitting at the back of the briefing. Like at yeah. one point when Raffi and Wolf are briefing everybody, you've got Picard and Beverly on one side, you've got Seven and Riker well, the on the other. Well, show's called Star Trek Picard, not Star Trek Shaw. But they're also on on the Titan. They're <laughs> yeah. on his ship, and he's been like a thorn in their side this whole time. Um, he's sitting like behind Seven. Like if anything, I wanted him to be sitting at the head of the table down the other end, separated from everybody else. Not happy that he's that he's there, but knowing he has to be because he's the captain. Because there's even that moment later on where they're like, let's go find Shaw to tell him what's going on. I'm like, what, is he just fucking eating more blue steak and not giving a shit about what's <laughs> going on? Like, he's just, he's, I have very, very mixed feelings about Shaw because I enjoy him on screen every time I see him. The actor's great. He's <laughs> phenomenal. But then it's just a very disjointed arc. Like, I, 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 from one episode to the next. He's, he's complex. He's a, he's a different He's a different person every episode, so it's hard for me to, like, I want to know what his baseline is. Um, and yeah, obviously him him fanboying um, over Geordie was was a funny moment, and makes me think, okay, maybe that's why he um, he chose Sydney as his as his helmswoman, like, you know, because she's a LaForge. Well, talking um, about Sydney, so Jean Luc and uh, Geordie, they have a bit of a powwow in the ready room together mm. there, you know, and you know. Geordie does not want Sydney to be involved in this at all. Very protective, and I oh, and I get it. Yeah, being a dad, I get it. Yeah, yeah, like it, it kind of tracks. Like it's she's her own woman, though she can make her own decisions. Absolutely, and but he's there. He's in the same way. He's he's very protective of, of Sydney. It's also very telling that he beams in with Alandra on his shoulder, and like when he leaves the transporter room and she's trying to talk to him, he's like, Alandra, come!" Basically, like he's just like you know. So yeah, he. She wanted to hang out with her sister. Yeah, so he's. You can tell, like, as a father, Geordie's not exactly killing it, because he's sort of very protective. Like, he's let 
quote unquote let both his girls join Starfleet. Well, but then is concerned for their safety all the time, and it's just like he needs to let him go and let him do their own thing. Like if you're going to let him join Starfleet, he knows better than most the dangers that are involved with that. And he, that, I guess that's kind of his arc for this episode is he kind of comes to that realisation. But it's quite funny that, you know, like Sydney's the younger of the two. Oh, and she's the black sheep of the family for <laughs> sure. I gotta be black. <laughs> um, but she's at least, what, 22, 25? Yeah, something somewhere like around that. there. And it's like, it's funny that it, all these years he's been so overprotective, but it's like a half hour conversation with Picard in the conference room and then another, you know, getting yelled at by Sydney for, for a minute. And so he's like, oh, okay. Do, 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 do. <laughs> but I also like that little part between Geordie and uh, Jack where he's like, yeah, stay away from my daughter, basically. There's something going on there. There's th- I, I see the, the beginnings of some sort of a romance there. It feels so incestuous. I hate it. Why? Like, <laughs> they're not related at all. I know, but it feels like they are. It's not right. I like it. I think it's nah. cool. Nah, Sydney can do so much better than Jack. Jack is a piece of shit. Nah, I like, I like Jack. He is an absolute garbage human being. Nah, I don't agree. I hope he dies of aromatic syndrome <laughs> tomorrow. Wow. Um, and we no, just, Sydney. Sydney is. Maddie has had a couple of alcoholic beverages tonight, <laughs> so he's a little bit mean. No, I still feel... I, even if I was Stone Cold sober, I'd say, fuck Jack. He's a douche. Uh, him and Shaw, basically, are the, the uh, king douches of this show. Uh, no, Sydney can do way better than Jack. She can do so much better than Jack. Oh, we'll see. I think that, you know... Oh, she's obviously keen, but again, it, it, you can tell this it's is... It's that a, British accent that he's got. No, you see, you can tell it's it's a woman being written by a man because it's all he had to do was say she's a good pilot. And suddenly she's like, oh, oh, well, I declare. Oh, I de-, you know, it's like... <laughs> Come on, Sydney. You're better than that. You're better than that. Uh, but I, di- I did like her yelling at um, Geordie, though. Oh, yeah. Great. Like, although, look, I have, I think this is the, probably like my favorite episode. So far. Like, I have so many positive things about this episode as opposed to other episodes where I've loved it, but I've had critiques of it. Oh, shall we stand up straight for Maddie to about to, you know, r- r- smash into the episode or what? Guys. <laughs> Geordie was a pilot. Yes, Geordie was a pilot. I said it back in episode one. You keep saying that it sounds like they've forgotten that. I don't know if they have forgotten it, or but he's just, it's overshadowed by the fact that he's such a famous engineer, I think. But he, but like, Len, like I said in episode one. He did start off as a red shirt. Literally any other position on the bridge she could have taken, but she literally took the position that he was in in season one. Like, of the next generation. Yeah, and it's like, anytime we've ever spoken to a pilot, it's like, Picard, even as a captain, talked about how he was a pilot. If you're a pilot, you are a pilot for life. Doesn't matter if you if you change, um, tack change departments and all that kind of stuff. You are a pilot for life. Geordie was a pilot, so it's like it just it's it's I can't I can't bring these things together in my brain that Sydney would be the black sheep because she wanted to be a pilot. I think maybe you like need to you need to jump on your Twitter and tweet Terry Metallis and ask the question, mate, because you're focusing on it a lot. Well, the show's focusing on it. The, the whole... The whole um, tweet rough, him. The whole rough... Tweet, 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 tweet. Tweet. The whole bad... Tweet, tweet, tweet. tweet. Oh God, now I'm getting get into gate flashbacks where I can't <laughs> even get a sentence out without being interrupted. <laughs> 
the whole thing with their relationship and the reason their their relationship is strained is because, and she says in this episode, is because I chose to fly ships. That's what Geordie did. But she's also seems like she's quite a good engineer as well because she said that she you know yes. used to crash. Um, their speeders all the time when she was younger so she could work on them and fix them with her dad. Yeah, and so I she, thought that was a sweet she's moment. A, yeah, that was a beautiful moment and she's learnt stuff through osmosis through him which would make sense. But yeah, like I said, if, if she'd be if she decided to become a science officer and wear science green slash blue, not a problem. You mean teal? Well, depending on which <laughs> show you're on. You know, early Next Generation it was blue and then it started going kind of greeny and then, you know... It's a it's, it's a, a tealy type of yeah, color. but obviously the the core yeah. concept is it's primary colors red yeah. yellow and uh, and blue, uh, but to me it's always been yeah like a dark a dark green sort of color, um, so it's like if she'd gone in yeah anywhere else in any other department she could have gone to decide to follow in Deanna's footsteps and become a counselor that I would get but it's just like she she chose the one thing that Geordie also was at one point like it's weird like I don't know like I guess. Okay, so you've been in the military for... 18 and a half years now. Years. Okay, now imagine if in... And you've got a four-year-old son. Yep. So, like, you're not going to be in the military forever. Imagine... <laughs> no, my knees and back won't yeah. allow that. <laughs> okay, so imagine imagine next year you get a job working with, I don't know, the AFP or, you know, something else, you know, adjacent to what you're doing. And you do that for another 20 years, right? Until you're in your 60s or whatever, or 25 years until you're in your 60s. <laughs> I'm not 40 yet, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I turned 39 this year. Damn. Um, Same age as you. And then when your son's 24, he says, I want to join the army. Are what? you going to be like, you need to join the police force because I've been... Absolutely not. I'm exactly. like, do what you want, mate. Exactly. But it's, you're not going to be like, oh, you're disgracing the family by not following in my footsteps. When if he said he wanted to join the Navy, I'd be like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> like... This household, we are warriors. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm just like, it's, yeah, it's it's silly. It's a silly thing, but I'm just like, I just, it, it's just a, a bad writing thing for me. They just, they just chose the, of the 20 different positions you can have on a starship, it's the one they shouldn't have chosen. Yeah, but, well, as I said, honestly, tweet Terra Metallus and see, and I'll retweet it and we'll get everyone, everyone listening, retweet Maddie's tweet. We're going to make him do it. We'll bully him into it. Um, what I did like though, and it's, it's something we, I think we may have critiqued it last week. We might've done it sort of off mic. I can't remember, but it seemed like a silly idea that for this frontier day, um, the Federation is bringing, like they're basically recalling every well, ship. Geordie mentioned that. They're bringing all well, of the ships to the well, no, fleet. That's what I was getting to. It was mentioned last week that that's what's happening for Frontier Day. Like, it's dumb. Um, I think Road brought it up and we were like, oh, that's why Why would you do that? And in, in universe, but, it doesn't make any sense because it's like the amount of like humanitarian missions that ships would be on, it, it doesn't make sense. But then we find out in this episode, yeah, that Geordie has been writing multiple things, like, opposing it. Emails, basically. Which, yeah, which is great. <laughs> so, it, it makes sense now that it's like, oh, okay, so everyone's not just happily doing this. The changelings sh- are bringing them all in for some yes. reason. Yeah, they're going to do something that's going to, you know, um, they're going to try and destroy the fleet or something like that. They're using Frontier Day to recall all the ships and then something's going to happen. So, yeah. uh, it's good to see that all the Starfleet isn't collectively dumb and getting on board this stupid Frontier Day thing. And people like Geordie are actually trying to um, stop it from happening. Yeah, so I, cool. I like that. It means that there's still people out there making sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
good thing that we saw next when we uh, we go back to Daystrom Station, we get to see what we think and we don't really know to begin with is we, we, we see Brent Spiner like data. Yeah. But, you know, they, they explained it as it wasn't data and it wasn't B4 and it wasn't lull and it wasn't law. It was a combination of all of them. And Sung. And Sung yeah. in one of those golem bodies. Yeah, that ages. So he looked like a human, but he still had data's yellow eyes, mm. which I thought was a nice touch. But yeah, he, he'd obviously aged. And yeah, at first I was like, well, that doesn't make sense because Picard doesn't look like anything. But then they did also say that Alton Sung, who was building it, like died before he was able to finish yeah. what he was doing. So they so yeah. to me that's enough for me to say, oh okay, he, he you know he hadn't given it human eyes yet or, or whatever it may be because obviously he wanted to put himself in that yes. body at some point. Um, the only discrepancy there, and uh, it didn't bother me because I don't really know season one that well enough, but when Picard was put in his golem body. I'm fairly certain they said something along the lines of, well, you're not going to live forever. You're still going to age. Still going to age, yes. Still going to age and die like you normally would. They set it up that way. Yeah, whereas Sung had his line in this where he was like, oh, I planned on living well past my time or whatever. So from what I can gather, like these, you know, Gollum android bodies, they can still live hundreds of years. That's the way I understand it. But then why wouldn't have Picard's? They because they said it so it wouldn't. So it would age at a regular oh, human rate. Okay. They did that right, deliberately. Right, right. Oh, so that's like a setting. You yes. Yeah. So they, they did that as a deliberate thing. Right, so right, Picard right. could still live a regular life, yeah, which gotcha. I think is nice. Okay. So then that makes sense then. Like yeah, me personally, I'd love to live hundreds of years. Yeah. If I can, you know, as long as my knees are good, <laughs> so, but they're not. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, but no, yeah. Just, as long as that's a setting, and then obviously that yeah. makes sense. Then, yeah, that, that was explained. That song would obviously have that setting a little bit different on his, and and yeah, just live, turn live that setting down a bit. Yeah, no, that's fine. But yeah, that that mixture of data and B four and lore and stuff like we we saw all of that come out in yeah. in Brent Spiner. He switched between them all. There, that was it was really great. Phenomenal acting on his behalf because I was all in one take. There was no cutting around that. Um, and I also love the fact that they mentioned Lull. Yeah, because yeah, I again, you you know more about next gen than I do, but I I have a feeling like a lot of her memories and stuff he he took copies of before. Yeah, she, he did. Yeah, so he would have all those memories of Lal in him, so that would be part of it, which is great. And also, just it, I think it's also a slight little fuck you to season one, being like, hey, remember when you kept calling Soji Data's daughter and stuff like that, he, and never mentioned the fact that Lal even existed and that was his first child. So I love the fact that they brought Lal up and it's like, hey, yes, Data did have a daughter. He did, Before Soji. Yeah, but then, you know, we we go back to the Titan and because, you know, obviously Sydney and Jack were having their little bit of a conversation. Then we go back to the Titan and next thing you know, the Titan is starting to like cloak and phase and all that sort of stuff because Jack and Sydney Mm. had had gone over to the Bounty the HMS Bounty, and stolen its cloaking device. Yeah, which I guess makes... And installed it. Makes sense now because, yeah, we've been seeing in the credits that that cloaking device that was there. Obviously, like, I guess we thought going in that they were going to steal the bounty itself. Um, and which... I, I didn't think that. Any other show would... Well, any other show, that's what they would have done, but they would have had to have created a Klingon bridge, which this show doesn't have the money to do, apparently. Well, um, that's because they're spending it on all their <laughs> bloody CGI. <laughs> Um, so instead, yeah, they did the next logical thing, which was, yeah, pull the, um, the cloak out of, I mean, you do make a good point. We're watching it, that it's probably the 
oldest cloak possible. Oh yeah, given like, it's from like Kirk era. Um, but it was enough to fool the um, those two ships that were patrolling um, uh, around Daystrom. Uh, oh, and by the way, ill. What those ships that were flying around Daystrom, and again, this is Terry Metalis and the team's obsession with original series and stuff. Firing like phaser bolts, they've gone back to that. It wasn't like Voyager DS9 Next Generation where it's like you lock on a phaser beam and that phaser beam connects your two ships. Like it's, they were firing like just these long bolts of phased energy. Like this is the first time I think this season we've seen phasers yeah. being used. Ew, I fucking hate that. <laughs> I've got, is it Starfleet Command like one? Like Starfleet Command three is... The game. The game, yeah. The game. And it's beautiful and it is perfect. Uh, Starfleet Command 1 is, yeah, like all your your Mirandas and Constitutions and all that kind of... And they do that. <laughs> Ew. I hate it. Man, he's always got to have something that he doesn't like. Ew. So gross. Well, it's going backwards. It's going... Phases, like you lock onto a target and you fire and you hit it. If you, if you fire a phaser bolt, much like in this episode, they just dodge it. Like it's no different to a torpedo at that point. It just it's a it does less damage than a torpedo. Whereas like I like the idea of like a long phase beam, and I mean it's just like a lot more constant energy going into yeah, the and target. I feel like yeah, and it's more precise too. You can you know, and like I feel like Worf is like yeah, and wave it around. Worf is the only one still using one. Like when they're in Daystrom Institute, he still pulls out his Nemesis era phaser, and when they're firing at Moriarty, he's firing a sustained phaser beam. Whereas Rafi's got one of the stupid, you know, pulse kind of ones. And I'm just like, why are we going backwards, guys? Give us, you know, give us the sustained phase beam. That's what I want. Okay. Well, yeah, that, that's fair. Mm. Um, then, yeah, obviously, you know, they start to get out of Daystrom Station and Will gets left behind. Yeah, because he's, yeah, he got, um, he he's got, going like, after the changelings. He got shot in the... He was, like, obviously buying time for the other guys to escape. And yeah, he got shot in the back with a little like dart. Or it was a transport like inhibitor. That. Yeah, we find out later on it was a it was a transport inhibitor because I was like, oh, is it like a? Um, oh, what did you say at the start when watching? You thought it was like a tracker, and then for a second I'm like, oh, is it like something that's gonna like an old school like sedating kind of thing? Which again doesn't make sense if you've got weapons that stun. Um, yeah, it turns out it was a an inhibitor. It was so like the the reverse of was it in um, insurrection where they're firing the yeah. transport enhancers into the people. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just it's the, the flip side same of as that. that. Yeah, and it's almost like a flip switch to yeah. reverse it. Now this this was my main issue with this episode is I don't understand again the starship logistics of that whole scene. So we have the two ships circling Daystrom Station. We have the Titan come in decloak. And beam them out. Yes. That's when the two ships, like the two ships, they've beamed people, like security officers. Into Daystrom Station. Into Daystrom. Yep. And they're the ones that Worf is having a firefight with. Um, then they fly off. Will, we're going to come back for you. And blah, 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 blah. Then we see the rest of the Titan stuff. When we go back to Daystrom, we see uh, Will all like, you know, he's, been interrogated, he's all bloody in the nose and stuff like that, and there's a weird, you know, guy with 400 nostrils on his face and two security guards either side of him. That security guard turns around, vaporizes the two extra security guards, and then turns out it morphs, it's a changeling, and it morphs into Vatic. Yes. And then, you know, she's all maniacal, 
And then it cuts to the Shrike outside of Daystrom Station and they fly off. So we're assuming Will was being interrogated on the station because it didn't look like the Shrike. It looked like, you know, they were, they were on the station. So why did she vaporize her two uh, security officers? Yeah, no idea. She's doing some weird shit too. Like, obviously yeah. we know she's a changeling. She's smoking heaps, yeah. right? But she's also got scars all over her face as well. Like, why is she, as a changeling, why has she chosen to look like that? Correct, yeah, and because there was that line at the very, very start when she's, like, talking... Oh, and that's when she kills another one of her yeah. friends too. Um, she had that line about, oh, we've got to do this for all our brothers and sisters who are having to wear the face of the Federation. Yeah. But she's choosing to look essentially human or humanoid. Yeah. Um, The changelings, as far as we've known, that's... That's like us deciding if we had the power to change forms, it's like us being pigs. Like we're just choosing lower life forms. So I feel like it was a little bit of a misdirect to have Amanda Plummer in the trailers and stuff like that, but not give away that she was a changeling because otherwise you'd have to paint her up like Odo and and Salme Jens and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a little disappointed in that. But yeah, she like, she references those weird guys in the head wraps, the reptilian guys that are like yeah, so operating the I feel that they're though. original style changelings because when they get shot, they fucking... Yeah, and she instructed one of her lieutenants to shoot one. Yeah. So she's talking about saving her race from the Federation and then kills one of her own. But wasn't that a thing with the founders as well that no founder had ever heard another no one? No changeling has ever yeah. harmed another until Odo. Odo is the only changeling that ever harmed another. So this breakaway group that we know about now just seems mm. to be all about the killing. Yeah, so I didn't understand that. And yeah, then obviously cut to the end and it's like, well, okay, so if those security officers were on one of those two ships... They may just they may have been just straight up humans and they were just following orders. Maybe the captains of those two ships were changelings or whatever, and those two security officers were just humans. But how did Vadic get onto Daystrom Station to impersonate that weird nostril alien thing? Yeah, that's the first time we've seen that race of aliens. Yeah, it almost looked like the goo head that she was talking to for a split yeah. second. Yeah. But it's like, how did she get there? Like, so she, like she the, the, Shrike, the, the Shrike just flew there. The two Federation ships were nowhere to be seen. Yeah, where, where did they go? That wasn't where did it. they go? Did, did she shoot and destroy them? Why, yeah, why would any of... Is she against the other changelings somehow? If there's only a couple of changelings per ship or whatever... Um, Oh, is she so demented that she's against the other changelings, right? And trying maybe? to protect Jack, maybe, but in her demented way. I mean, uh, maybe. Craig theory again. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just like things like that bug me because I'm just like, well, in the same way, you know, the last Serena was just not there. Then suddenly these these ships at the end were just not there and she's left on the Shrike and, and killed these two security officers I mean, it was obviously a, a surprise moment for us as a viewer. So, like, in the moment, it was like, oh, whoa, what's going on? But then if you step back, you go, but why? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. But, again, you know, maybe by episode 10 it'll all make sense. Yeah, well, what this was episode six. We've got four yeah. to go. We've got four episodes. And, like, how are they going to possibly wrap this up in four episodes? I don't know. Yeah, because like I was saying before, I really hope there is more to Jack than just Eremotic Syndrome. Um, oh, there will be, definitely. There has to be. Yeah, I mean, given that the, he's the MacGuffin, like, 
Vadex after him slash Picard and and all these things. So it's yeah, it's there's got to be something more. So um, but no, this this episode was really really great. It was we're forgetting something, Maddie. What when um Will was beamed onto the Shrike? Mm. Who else was there? We said Deanna earlier. Yeah, well, we just sort of glazed over it, but yeah, Deanna was like there as she was captured. Where mm. where's their daughter? Yeah, true. Like where's Kestra? Mm. Like. Hopefully she's still alive. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. I Kestra, re- Kestra was fun. I, I really doubt that they've got her captured on the ship as well, because you know. Yeah, and I guess in terms of what we know about Deanna and that kind of stuff from you know Nepenthe, I feel like the only they way... they got that cool security system on their house and Nepenthe yeah. too. And the only way you're going to get Deanna to come and join this adventure away from Kestra is. Yeah, she was to abducted. Kidnap her, yeah. She was kidnapped, held against her will. Obviously, the Titan will go and, and rescue uh, her and Will. Um, yeah, but that's that's the only way you're going to get Kestra. Le- um, get going to get Deanna leaving Kestra behind against her will. So, but one of the other big reveals for this episode, which mm-hmm. this is going to have some you know, implications, I'd say, and be a, a bit of a big story point for the next few episodes. Mm-hmm. Jean-Luc's original body, his human body, was at Daystrom. That's the thing. That's the thing that Raffi and Worf have been talking about yeah. for the last five episodes or whatever it is, is the... the steal- it was the, there. So the, what they've the, taken Jean-Luc's original body. The stealing of the portal weapons and take and taking out that entire um, recruitment facility on, on Metallus Prime or whatever it was, was all the way to hide the fact that they had stolen... Jean-Luc's body, his original human So what body. are they doing with it? Yeah. And again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier is, okay, so if the changelings are in positions enough to to stop anyone investigating the theft of Daystrom Station, why did they need to destroy a Federation uh, recruitment facility to hide it? Like, just say nothing about it. Just say nothing. Like... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But so, w- what could they possibly want a dead human body for? Like, w- w- what's that going to gain them? I, I'm still holding on to. Ma- I mean, is it something to do with, with Borg nanoprobes? Yeah, with a single, with a single pinky, I'm still holding on to the idea that it's got so- something to do with some kind of residual Borg that's in in Jean Luc. Um, it, it is, it is getting a little, a little thin when. You've just got seven of nine walking around with, with way more nanoprobes in her body. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Like, um, but yeah, like. Plus, we've got all those other XBs that are kicking around the place. Yeah, and that's why I thought Jack might have been the way to go because Jack is the child of an XB. Like, mm. if, if you consider Picard to have been an XB, um, Jack is the first, quote unquote, naturally born, uh, like next generation XB, XB hybrid. Yeah, so there could be something. Like a genetic, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, like a marker, or no, 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 like um, non-synthetic, like a natural, um, organic was the word I was going to like an organic Ooh, Borg yeah. type type of thing, like organic nanoprobe. That's why it's like the yeah organicy looking roots, yeah, sort of that red thing, yeah. And and given that the changelings are trying to improve or change the way they they change form, is that going to help them? Um, it's a it's a stretch it's to be like, how would they know about that and know that it's going to help them? 
Like, why would they go to all these lengths unless they absolutely knew that that was going to help them? Um, yeah, so but then why would they need Picard's original body? They've so stolen Picard's original body and they're fucking desperately after Jack. Yeah. You know, like, They've stolen portal weapons, given one to Vatic, given one to... Um, what's his name on, on Metallus Prime who's taken out a recruitment centre yeah, they're trying to hide all that. And they, they've taken over basically the entire Federation. They've like been, Starfleet, they've been sorry. hunting Jack and Beverly for months yeah, to like, get him. It's, I mean, the Dominion has always been about the long con. Like it's, you know, the founders have always been, it doesn't matter if it takes us 70 years. Like during the Dominion War, they were like, we will, we will pull back into Cardassian space and rebuild our forces for 70 years and then come out and fucking destroy you motherfuckers. So, yeah, the the founders and, and the Dominion have always been about the long con, like the long game. But, yeah, this is a, this is a lot. It's a stretch. Oh, so I don't know how they're going to do it. We've yeah. got, what, four more hours of tell unless they make these episodes a bit longer. Maybe. You know, which is great with me. And I'm ha- we looked it up before. The name of next week's episode is Dominion. Mm. So oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Like, there's so much... There's so much here for old fans and new fans alike. I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. I think episode one, great. Two, three, and four were a very mixed bag for me. Um, five and six have been a, a very a, a big jump in terms of I, I don't have a lot of problems with them. It's 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 fan and it's enjoyable. Like I, I welled up in this episode. Yeah. Like it was oh. Th- this it episode was, was great. Like yeah, we had the old school like away mission with the mission on the ship and then we yeah. brought them back together again. Something for everybody. You had your ship porn of all the different generations, you know. Oh, so many good you like, had the, shots of the ships. Yeah, then you had like the Geordie Data moment. So everyone who loves that relationship would have really felt that. Me being the Voyager stand, well, my moment was Seven having her moment with the ship. Do you notice how like Seven was like just... Ch- chilling on her seat yeah it, on the bridge as well she's just like lean i'm actually doing the same thing now <laughs> but yeah nobody can see it but hey yeah yeah she's just chilling back leaning just you know relaxed yeah it was it was it was very jarring to see this new version of seven um but i love it like it was yeah jarring in a good way yeah 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 just to see the way that she's adapted to trying to um uh hide her borgness and just become more human over the years. You could see, like, Jerry Ryan did such a good job in that scene, like, of showing the love for, you know, Voyager and yeah. its crew and, like, showing, like, memory. That that just wistful nature. As well. yeah. It was great, yeah. Well done, Jerry. Love you. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Maddie, that's it for this episode, yeah. The Bounty. Um, next, yeah, as you said, next episode is Dominion. All right, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, last week we thought Bounty was going to be Jack. Yeah, Jack, yeah. And so, I mean, we could be talking about the Dominion, but it could be something else completely. Well, hopefully they manage to uh, install this cloaking device a little bit better so it works a bit better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, it's it's old. <laughs> she old. It old. She old. All right, Maddie. Where can we find you on socials? Uh, at High Pitch Maddie. H i g h p i t c h m a t t y. And you can find me at. Geek in Camo on Instagram and Facebook. Ooh, Facebook. Yeah, I decided to start a Facebook page. Okay, for Boomer. Tell me you're old without telling me you're old. Well, I've got a MySpace page? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Was it guys, girls, and Janice? Girls, guys, and Janice. Oh, well, I can't remember it. 
Don't be so misogynistic. This put, is your part of the show, Maddie. Put the ladies first. Girls, guys, and Janais. Mate, th- this is the one part of the show that you actually have to do because oh, it's your I? idea. This is this this is news to me. Well, you come up with this one. You know, you were saying something else. I was saying guys, girls, you know. And binars. And binars, yeah. Well, I gave you the Janai. Wait, you come up with it? I can't remember it. This is yours. <laughs> this is your... I press buttons and do the rest I of the show. Like to, I don't like to gender people. I just... <laughs> Look at the dead fan on your face. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's great. All right, that's enough from us. And we'll see you next week.